Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell and Jonathan Willis joins me today. John, how are you, sir? Together again, I, I you know, I wouldn't miss it. You know, it's funny, I when, when you and I do the Tuesday radio, I always hope that it's a, a couple of days later uh, that we do the podcast because, you, you know, when you talk to somebody and then you talk to them again, say, same day, it's like, didn't I just talk to you? I, I think we're all talked out. Well, and I feel like it's really unfair to inflict, you know, 15 minutes of conversation with me on you more than once a week. Uh, but if we're going to do it more than once a week, you got to have at least one day in between to, you know, recalibrate and, and have a breather. Uh, thank you for that. I so appreciate it. Um, all right. I'm looking forward to this. I have to say this particular show because um, this there's a little break, obviously, uh, and, and Euler fans are starving for information, starving for uh, content, as it were. Uh, and the top 20 prospects usually comes up a little later with The Athletic in the summer after the draft. But this little window here, I think, is an ideal time maybe to to review where we are and uh, what what the tw- top 20 prospects look like right now. Oh, I I had a lot of fun putting my list together. You you always do a great job of this. I I uh, I'm kind of hit and miss with with whether I I put together a top twenty list, but I always enjoy reading your stuff. So going back and forth and debating it and and arguing as as you and I do should be a blast. Well, I think I think the first one or two will be fine on by by five. I think will be it'll be open you know weaponry across the border between the two of us. And it's a it's a good thing we don't have to talk again until Tuesday because this is this is going to be rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think number one we're pretty much agreed on Evan Bouchard, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think I think there's some clear separation between him and number two. And I was wondering what we could talk about with him. And I, I guess what I came up with was what do you see his NHL upside as? Like, you know, your, your reasonable line in the sand, what is it for him? Well, I, I think, you know, <clears throat> for me, when I look at Evan Bouchard, I think offensively he's going to be fine. He's going to be yeah. uh, at the worst third pair uh, <clears throat> right side, which has value, and then power play quarterback. So, you know, he may score 40 points in a year where he's third pairing. But I think he has, I think he has a higher ceiling than that. So I would say my outer marker for him is I'll say second pair, uh, power play quarterback, and probably 20 minutes, 21 minutes a game, depending upon how much that second pair plays. Wait, outer marker or like median outcome? The thing about Bouchard that I worry about in terms of a top pairing guy is uh, defensively, I think he'll be adequate and he may actually be good, but I don't I don't think he'll be an outstanding defensive player. Do you? Uh He's got the size and strength. I, I don't know that he has the instincts, but he's young. Like th- that's the thing that gets me is we're, we're talking about a, a 20 year old defenseman. Um, I don't worry so much about his defensive game as, as other people do. And maybe that's just a sign of my ignorance. That's, that's certainly a possibility, <laughs> but uh, you, you play him with the right partner. I can imagine him in a, in a top pairing role, not as the, the guy carrying the load defensively. I think he's going to want a guy with him who can do that. But uh, as a player who can play in those situations, I, I guess for me, I sort of think median outcome is Justin Schultz or Justin Schultz plus probably Justin mm-hmm. Schultz plus. But um, I, I, I have not written him off as a, a top pair defenseman by, by any stretch, even though I'm kind of like, well, maybe number two, three is sort of sort of the ballpark. Yeah, I, I think we're not uh, totally in disagreement there. I think he has the most potential of anybody in the system who we consider a prospect. He's the most NHL ready in the group. Uh, and, and I love 
The thing I love about Evan Bouchard, maybe starting in, in Bakersfield, is it's like having another bona fide defenseman, top six guy at the ready. We know injuries occur, and the, the order fan is going to have to get used to that, having a guy on the farm who doesn't belong there. It's been a long time, but I think Evan Bouchard likely makes the team, but even if he doesn't, that would be a sign of uh, a, a real quality defensive group this fall for Oiler fans. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone pretty much will agree with that assessment, and I'm guessing we're all going to agree with the guy you have number two on your list as well. Well, I have Philip Broberg. Yep, me too, me too. Okay. I like his speed. I think his they, – they asked him at the World Juniors and, and really in the SHL to play a more defensive game. Uh, I I think where we'll I don't know if we'll disagree or not. I'm not convinced he won't score 30 points in a season. I don't think he'll play a lot of power play time in the NHL. That's my guess now. But I I, I think he may have the potential because of his speed uh, to to play bigger minutes um, at five on five. Well, we had Mike uh, Zanier on last week, and he compared him to Darnell Nurse, and that fits with everything. Well, I, I think I compared him to Darnell Nurse, and he agreed. So, I, I, that's how it went. Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah. he's easy to imagine in sort of that second pair role and uh, penalty kill and five on five, and and that's a player who who will be of great use. I, I like the the foot speed. I I when when Zanier said the item about you know transporting the puck and then not having the creativity to move at a good spot. There, there's been a lot of that in Oilers history. Darnell Nurse has that. Tom Pody actually had that as well, despite his reputation as an offensive defenseman. And I, I think that the the if if that turns out to be the case, then we're, we're probably looking at a guy uh, that Oilers fans may, 10 years from now, look back at as being you know a reasonable pick, but maybe not a dynamite pick. If he develops def- offensively, and and there were signs at the Halinka, and when he played against kids his age, there were some some uh, impressive moments. But you want to see that at the SHL level and then the NHL level, and we haven't seen that yet. So I think he's clearly number two, and I think you'd agree in saying that that he's a, a like there's a little gap there. It's it's not like he's really close to Bouchard. I have him number two, but there's a little gap there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think both guys project as potentially being top four defensemen and, you know, maybe maybe even complementary in terms of playing style. But yeah. uh, I, I think there's a, a gap between them and I think there's a gap between number two and number three on this list as well. Yeah, and I, I, I think Broberg and Bouchard as a pairing might work down the line. Yep. We'd have to wait and see. They're obviously too young to pair together as rookies, but it's something that, that we can think about. Uh, all right, uh, who do you have at number three? This was a tough one for me because three and four were real close. I had uh, Raphael Lavoie. I had him there as well uh-huh. because he's the best goal scorer in the system. And I think the more I've watched him and learned about him, he does have a range of skills. He can win battles. Uh, his, you know, he, he his his speed isn't a. I don't think it's a, a negative. Uh, and he's a bigger guy. So there's some things I think that that I think he'll end up playing the wing, but. I think he's got he's more than a one trick pony. I like Lavoie long term as a top six right winger. Yeah, I've I've got him in my head as sort of a middle six winger. I think top six right winger certainly in the range of uh, possibilities. And actually, to me, three and four are really close on this list. I'm curious to see if you're in the same boat. And the reason I have Lavoie ahead of Tyler Benson, who I have fourth, is that. Um, 
the range of outcomes is wider. So it's possible he comes in below Benson as a player, but it's also po- still possible he comes in above. And I think with Benson, you're you're less confident in him being a top six forward. There's there's more potential with Lavoie, more upside, even as there's there's probably more downside as well. Yeah, I have Benson four as well. I think he's the most NHL-ready forward among the, the top prospects in the system. I think he'll have top nine ability. I don't know his ceiling. It's the same reason I had Yamamoto ahead of, of Benson a year ago. Uh, the 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 thing about Tyler Benson is I'm fairly certain he's going to play. I just don't know where he's going to play. Yeah, every, everybody worries about his speed. I, I can see it limiting him. I don't think it'll keep him from having an NHL career because he's... He's so smart. He's so good along the boards. Um, I, I remember going down to Bakersfield. A lot of his teammates were just very complimentary about the way he thinks the game. And I think you can get by with mediocre speed if you're smart and you're you're diligent. And, and Benson is that. And he's not going to... The thing I like about Benson as a complimentary player for some of the skill that's already in Edmonton is he is not going to transport the puck. I don't think he... I don't see him as being a puck transporter. Now, inside the zone or in the neutral zone, passing the puck to the transporter, that's where I think his strength is. That's one reason why I think he could catch one of these top flight centers in Edmonton eventually uh, and maybe, maybe play a little higher on the depth chart than, than I'm estimating. I am a, as a top nine uh, NHL player. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, the, the year he had in Bakersfield, not this season, but last season, to me says that, you know, maybe he makes an NHL skill line for a year or two. But uh, yeah, I, I think third line's more or less where you're projecting him. Who, who do you have fifth? I have Ryan McLeod. I, I, I really like Ryan McLeod, and I, I think he's... I think his AHL season is underrated. Uh, he scored more than than I expected him to based on where he was going to play. He has great speed, uh, two-way ability. That, that's going to have to be honed. It's not like he's a natural Guy Carbono or anything, but he understands <laughs> that side of the game. And, and you know, he, he, he was disappointing in the OHL offensively, and then I think he got 23 points in the AHL, which if you look at it, from where he's playing on the roster and the even strength points that he scored, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by McLeod, and I'm a little stronger on him now than I was a year ago. The thing I like about McLeod is he's a, a he, he was playing on the penalty kill. He plays center. He plays wing. He he was used everywhere um, by the Condors this year, which for a rookie pro is a tremendous. Uh, you know, a validation of his two-way game. I'm worried about his offensive upside. I, I think he probably tops out as a third-line center just because I don't think he's going to score enough at the NHL level to be more than that. And I'm, I'm not convinced that he's a long-term third-line center either because he may, he may not have even, you know, Todd Marchant-level offense. But I, I love his strength. I love his two-way game, his defensive game. I love his speed. Um, and if the offense comes along, and his offensive season was not, that bad for a rookie pro in the American League at his age. It really wasn't. So if that comes along, they could have a real a real gem on their hands. Yeah, I, I think we see it pretty much the same. I think he'll be uh, a, a bottom six center, likely third line. I, I believe that speed will keep him in the league longer than, than maybe people expect because he's got the wheels. Uh, now I'm really curious uh, who you have at number six. Okay, so hopefully we're going to get some disagreement here because we've had boring agreement through five picks, and I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I, I went. I think a, we're going to have a disagreement there. Okay, so you've got you've got, I've got a bit of a wild card. So now I'm now I'm worried we have the same one. I have Olivier Rodrigue number six. I do not have Olivier Rodrigue number six. Who do you have? Go ahead and tell me about Rodrigue. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll tell you about Rodrigue. So he had a great back half to his um, Quebec League season. Uh, I I wish I'd looked this up beforehand because um, Scott Housen was on uh, on on Oilers now in I want to say December or January, and they were talking about Rodrigue, and his numbers weren't great. I think it was right after the World Juniors, so I guess it would have been January. His numbers in the Quebec League weren't great. Of course, he wasn't really used by by uh, Team Canada, and um, they were talking about the need for him to to maybe build on that a little bit and, and not to get too caught up in numbers of the Quebec League because goalie numbers of the Quebec League are all over the map. But, I mean, the way he finished the year, like he's he's got a 918 save percentage, 31-7-1 with a 918 save percentage. Those are stellar numbers at any level. Um when they took him in 2018, they thought he was maybe the best goalie in the draft. He, The season he just had, he's playing like a guy who could be uh, an NHL starter in the future. And I mean, with goalies, you never know when development curves are ugly and all that. But um, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism with him after this season. Yeah, he, he also faced more shots this year than he had in the past, and he did better with them. So uh, I, I have Rodrigue number nine, but I'm 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 very strong on him as well. I, I think he's got a quality resume, and I like the way he finished uh, in the queue, and I'll be interested in seeing where he plays first-year pro, uh, whether it's the ECHL. Usually, Oilers goalies spend part of their first year there, or he goes to the uh, to the AHL, to Bakersfield. My number six guy is Dmitry Samurikov. I I liked his year, even though it was as a third pairing guy, and he was protected quite a bit, even in a year where the Condors had some injuries and and probably uh, might have needed to move him up. They we, they were very very careful with him. I I put him here because of his outer marker, because of his potential. Uh, he's a big man, he's a fast guy, and he's got a real mean streak to him. So I I feel he is more than the sum of of his season. I think that, that this is a guy, big year for him coming up this year. He'll have to flourish. But I'm a I'm a believer that Samarikov, I think he's going to be the guy who ends up with the third pairing left side job in the future. And I, I think he's going to be a, a good penalty killer and able to play NHL minutes uh, as on, at even strength as well. Well, the interesting thing about Samarukov, like he wasn't killing penalties in the American League this year. They really brought him along slowly. Uh and and I don't think that's abnormal for a guy in his first year as a pro. You look at Ethan Bear, you look at Caleb Jones, neither of those guys played major minutes in the American League as rookie pros. Um, I like Samarukov a lot. You like the physical tools. I like that he's played the right side at points. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, like Caleb Jones, he ends up playing right side in the American League for a decent stretch here just based on how Edmonton's prospect pool looks he was number seven on my list and honestly six through nine I think is basically the same tier um you want to make a case for any of those guys I'm okay with it uh he you know he could have had a better season but he he really wasn't bad he's got two more years of American League time on his his entry-level deal and we'll, we'll see how he progresses because he's he's an easy prospect to like at number seven, I have my first goalie, Ilya Konovalov. Uh, I, I like him as the top prospect among the goaltenders in in the system for two reasons. Number one, he played in the KHL for two years now, which is a, a very good league. And because he had one great year, but he followed it up with a year of struggle. But th- the back half of his year, much like you had said with Rodrigue, was improved. And I, 
I, I'm I'm interested in his season coming up in the KHL. If he dominates, if he plays very well, uh, I think he might be a guy the Oilers sign in the summer of 2021 with the idea of having him come come in and and maybe compete, uh, maybe not get the job in the NHL, but be maybe closer than than normal. Uh, in terms of goaltenders pushing for an NHL job, I'm pretty high on Konovalov. Yeah, I had him eight on my list, and uh, like I said, that six to nine range, very, very close for me. Um, there's, you know, you look at a 21 year old goaltender. There's nothing wrong with being a 912 save percentage goalie in the KHL at 21. That's, in fact, that's remarkably impressive. And the only reason it feels like a downbeat is because he was so good at 20. Um, he's he's an easy guy to like. I think they should sign him. Uh, I think he's got NHL potential. It's it's just the the usual uncertainty with goaltender development. You d- you don't know how it's going to go, um, but certainly he's played a lot of hockey at a very high level and mostly played it well. So he's he's a good player to have in the system. And and between him and Rodrigue, they have probably the most promising goalie prospect tandem they've had since uh, Jeff Delorier and Devin Dubnik. Yeah, I agree with that. Who do you have at that number? So my last guy in the six to nine range is. Um, Philip Berglund. I have Berglund 12. Oh, wow. Okay. So so I've got Rodrigue, Samarukov, Konovalov, and Berglund all in the same range. I like Berglund a ton. He's played major minutes in the SHL. He's been doing it for several years now. He generates good offense. He everything he, You like everything about him except that he's not a really fleet skater. Um, right. and it, like with a lot of these European pros, you, you don't know how it's going to end up. Like Anton Slepeshev, if he'd been with Edmonton he would have been right in that range too and uh, these are the kind of guys who can come over and play decent NHL minutes for five years without any trouble or they they can never come over or they come over for one season it doesn't go well and they're back in Europe you you just don't know how it's going to go but but I like Berglund a ton and the fact that he's a big right shot defenseman um, is, is a real asset for him as he's trying to carve out an NHL career Ordinarily, I would have him higher. I, I I like his outer marker, his potential, and most of my rankings value that highly. And and the the only thing that keeps me <clears throat> worried about him, you mentioned the speed concerns. I'm also a little, uh, uh, you know, I've looked at him, and he's been in the SHL for some time, and he's still playing, you know, second pair of minutes, and and that may have more to do with the team that he played for than anything. This year will be a big one. He's obviously uh, signed already, plans to play in the SHL for a coach he knows. I think the potential's there for him, and I do like him, and position rarity, uh, you know, gives him a little extra push as well. Very good player. My number eight guy is uh, Joachim Nygaard. Wow. Uh, the, I, I know the reason that, that, you know, I know it's high, but what I like about Nygaard is he's got two things the Oilers badly need, foot speed and an idea about how to play without the puck. And I think we saw a little bit of that this year when you and I were talking to Riley Shahan. I, I think he had mentioned Nygaard as a guy that, that he liked to play with. I, I 33 games isn't a lot uh, to to factor it by but i i think he's a guy who may find a home here uh, in the way uh yaroslav pozar found a home in the 80s where he comes in mid-career and then carves out about a nice five-year uh career in the nhl i i'm pretty bullish on nygaard i like him a lot i so i had nygaard 10 so i guess i'm not that far off from you but i i kind of see this wall between um berglund at nine and then nygaard and a bunch of guys um below him and the reason for that is I don't see the outer marker in terms of upside. Like with Berglund, I can imagine him 
as a second pairing NHL defenseman for for quite a while based on um, comparable players of his same age and production level or roughly the same age and production level at the SHL. I don't see that with Nygaard just because of his age. He's already passed what you think of as his peak years. And he, you're right. He might carve out a career as an older European pro, especially because speed is a positive with him. And those guys tend to have longer tails than, than your typical um, skaters, uh, whether forwards or defensemen. But I think it's more likely he's a third or fourth line guy. And because he lacks that upside, he, he just barely cracks my top 10. And I, you know what? That that's a fair ranking for him as well. I think your your point about the the vagaries of of uh, the list after a certain number uh, are are showing up here. Um, my number ten player is Cooper Morody, and he is skilled. His time was probably a year ago, uh, and yet I see him. He's a right handed player uh, who can play center, although. I'm not certain that that uh, Dave Tippett sees them that way, but I I, I think there's a, a window of opportunity again for him this year. Uh, he was injured; he did not play anywhere near what he had previously. But I look at that first AHL season, and if he can recover to that, which was over a point per game, I think in terms of potential and the fact that he's in the AHL, I have Marodi number ten. So I, I love Cooper Marodi. I think you know I love Cooper Marodi. <laughs> um, I, I, I liked him in the NHL, to be honest with you. Like, I know he's yeah, he not... Yeah, he played well. Yeah, he's smart. He's a smart player. He's very skilled. Not that fast, but he's a right a smart right-shot center, and, and those are hard things to find. My problem with Marodi, I've got him way down at 17, um, is injury. Like, I don't think he's been the same since he got smacked in the playoffs last year by... Uh, oh, uh, was it Kale Cassie who hammered him? Um, I don't. I don't think he's been the same since then. I, I'm. I'm worried. I'm worried that he's. Uh, you know, he's Doug Lynch. Like he, he's just a guy who who is was very promising. Got hammered by injury at that age, 22, 23 mark, and and now we're never going to see what he could have been. Hopefully, I'm wrong about that. Hopefully, he's a lot closer to what you expect than what I expect. But um, I haven't written him off. But he he needs a comeback season in the worst way, and he he needs good health. Well, I think what it shows is that that you know there's risk there, uh, and and you know I, I I have him at a spot where if everything works out. You know, he, he may cover that bet, but there certainly is risk. Uh, this is the Oil Can Podcast. We want to tell you that if you're bored in the house, and I mean bored in the house, completely bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today is Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. This is brand new to me and probably to you. While you're probably looking for new things to do at home, why not make manscaping part of your routine? It's a whole new life and a whole new you when we get back to uh, normal or whatever normal will be. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0, precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Fit 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. 
Seriously, this is cutting edge. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Go to manscaped.com today. Use the code THEATHLETIC. And with that, John, we're back to the list, and I believe number 11. Yeah, so I've got William Lagason right after Joachim Nygaard, mostly for the same reasons. He's he's older for a prospect. I don't see the high-end upside, but I like him as an NHL fill-in piece right now. Well, I'm going to surprise the hell out of you and say that I have William Lagason at number 11 as well. Uh, <laughs> were you manscaping? Is that what happened there? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think most of us are, are you know uh, cave unfrozen caveman lawyer in terms of our personal grooming right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm proper English myself. Uh, so here's the thing I like. Uh, I, the reason I have Lagasse in number eleven, and the reason that I'm really stubborn on this guy is I'm a big believer in following through on prospects and finding out what you have and. There was a time when Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, and William Lagason were mentioned in the same breath. Now Lagason was always the third guy mentioned, but he was in that in that group. Oilers still haven't found out about this guy, so I don't think Lagason has the upside of, uh, say, Philip Berglund, who I have at number twelve. But I I like that he's so close to the NHL, and even if they just keep him on the roster and then trade him at the deadline in 2021. There is value there, and I think he might have a career, even if it's a Brandon Davidson career. Uh, third pair, stay-at-home type, but I think he, and he could end up being more than that. He's a guy that, that you know, m- might end up uh, um, really flourishing with all the expansion that's gone on the last few years. I think he's pretty close to being an NHL player on the third pair. I'm glad you mentioned Davidson because that's a name that I think of when I look at Lagason. Uh, another guy's Patrick Nemeth. If you're if you're looking at guys who really you know um, hit it out of the ballpark with that skill set, I, I think the league is moving away from the kind of player that he is, which I think hurts him. But uh, it, they, there's still a size for good, solid defensive defenseman, and he moves the puck well enough, I think, to carve out an NHL career. So, so I agree with that. Uh, number twelve, I have a similar player, but quite a bit younger. Um, Philip Kemp, college defenseman, projects in sort of the same third pair shutdown role. He's a righty, which helps. Uh, he's further away from the NHL, but because he's a college player, they've got a lot of rope with him, and, and he's a guy who who could be in the system for a few years before he uh, he gets a shot at the majors. I, I don't have him listed. Oh wow! Um, well, and, and it's not because it, I don't like him as a player, because I think he's. You know, you mentioned that he's similar to Lagason. I think that's very true. I, I feel like he's far enough away uh, and that his skill set is not um, substantial to the point where I, I liked some others more. That's not a criticism of your pick. It's it's that, that I liked others a little bit more than him. But as for your point about he and Lagason being similar, I agree with that. I, the reasons I have Lagason higher are that he's closer to the NHL, and I think that he's he's shown enough that I, I'm very curious about him. The only reason I'm not taking this personally is that the, the prospect tower is a bit like a pyramid, right? It widens out the further down you go. So your, your 10 to 20 picks 
I don't know that there's much gap between any of them. They're all sort of in that yeah, same range, I, th- I think. I, I have an announcement. I, we don't have breaking news music, but I, I have an announcement to make. Ooh. You and I are doing this show on Thursday afternoon, correct? Yes. I'm making sure. Uh, Blythe May Nugent Bowman was born this morning at 1056, 7 pounds, 10 ounces. Mother and baby are doing well. Uh, Father is uh, trying to explain to baby what the hyphen means and uh, why you need it in your last name. So, which is of course why Daniel isn't with us this week, and uh, probably not yeah. for a couple of weeks here. Which uh, you know, good for good for him. He, he should take the time off, and of course, we wish him the the absolute best. Yeah, I, what a great name! Number one, I'm so happy for him. Uh, he is a, a truly gifted writer. Uh, I tell him that, and then he changes the subject all the time. But he is <laughs> he's a he's a really gifted writer, and we're we're lucky to have him uh, with the Athletic Edmonton and. Uh, uh, do you remember the first few days when your firstborn was brought home? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, it, it's a it's an interesting mixture of um, pure hell and uh, unmitigated delight, and in my case, uh, also with some some threads from the the 2017 NHL entry draft. So my oh, um, there you go. My poor son, or you know, maybe he's fortunate. He's forever linked in my mind to the selection of Kyler Yamamoto, which says bad yeah. things about my mind. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both the same height, so there is that. <laughs> my, I, I, I think, I, yeah, yeah, basically the same height right now. I can't believe how big my kid is. It's unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> aren't they, they? They, they. I will tell you this: my son is uh, substantially taller than me, which makes me suspicious and proud at the same time. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting mine to, to pull things off tall shelves for me. That's 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 what I'm oh, looking for. That's what they're good for. Um, and taking the car and $40. Uh, number, I think we're up to number 13. I think 12 on your list. I had Kemp. Okay, I have Philip Berglund at 12 on my list. Right, right. So, yeah, so, 13. Yeah. I have Carol Maximov here. Uh, much, I guess, like the the others, like Samarikov on my list, who I have quite high. I have Maximov, maybe a little high, but I like his potential. I don't believe in in uh, nicking a guy who goes from thirty plus goals two years in a row in junior and then struggles to get playing time. Didn't grab a job in a in a prominent way, but he penalty killed uh, from from the verbal that we got from from your time down in Bakersfield uh, and from. Uh, um, Ryan Holt and others it seemed like he was making good progress. I expect to see see uh, a substantial jump in in goals. I think he had five this year, but I'm still bullish on on Maximov. Who do you have at thirteen? I also have Maximov at thirteen ah! for all the all the reasons you just listed. <laughs> and if there's one thing I've learned in doing this over the years, it's not to get too downhearted when a prospect has a bad first year in the American League. Prospects have been doing it since time immemorial. Um, all the things you liked about him in junior are still there. They're just hampered by that vicious curve of uh, stepping up from the junior ranks to to American Hockey League players, a lot of whom could step into the NHL without much problem. So, yeah, I like him at 13. And this, this honestly is the point on my list where I get nervous because I've got a good read on Maximov. I've seen him a lot. I have not seen the guys I have at 14 and 15 very much. I've got uh, Matei Blumel and Mike Kesselring. And 
I'm going pretty much by numbers and draft position there because I don't know a ton. And that's my son in the background telling you he loves you all. So, uh, <laughs> and that you don't know a ton. <laughs> and that I don't know a ton. <laughs> I like both of those players. I have Kessel Ring 16 and Blamel 17. Okay. Uh, Blamel, uh, the, the issue is how many goals is he going to score? He's very fast, he's undersized. Kessel Ring, I saw him here at the first, uh, they have the, the get-together after the draft, and the first time I saw him, I thought, you know, he, he, his skating look, it, it just caught my eye, and I couldn't get away from it. But by the end of the week when he had, you know, they played a scrimmage game, he was very impactful. He was moving the puck well. He was skating up. He scored a goal. He was, uh, like, you, you almost couldn't take your eyes off of him the other way because he was having an impact at both ends of the ice. So uh, I, I like Kesselring. I have him at 16, but I'm I'm a fan of his for sure. At 14, I have Theodore Lenstrom. I don't know, even know if you have him on your list. I've got but, him at 16. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, he's got good speed. He transports the puck well. Uh, I don't know that he's highly creative. Uh, I don't know that he's Oscar Kleppbaum with the puck, as it were. Uh, but I, and I think he might have some chaos, but I really like him as an addition, like a free only for money addition. Uh, I think he's a pretty good hockey player. Yeah. I, I, I like him a lot. You look at his, his, well, Mike Zanier told us about a bunch about him. You look at what he's done in the SHL. He's actually got great underlying numbers, uh, at the SHL too. Really good shot metrics, things like that. You're always wondering with these mid-20s Europeans how well they're going to adapt, and I, I think that's the big question mark. But, you know, if he stepped into the NHL at midseason next year and, and played four years, I don't think anybody could be too surprised by that. At 15, I have Stuart Skinner. Uh, he did not have a good year. He had some good months in the year. Uh, it was a difficult year to evaluate the AHL defenseman because there there was so much recall and so many injuries. Marodi, for an example, and Shane Starr at the goalie gone meant that in this case, Skinner got thrown into the breach. There were a couple of periods there where of, of seven to eight games where he really played well, and then he lost the script and, and went back to, to, to struggling. But he, he ended up having the best save percentage in the AHL this year. I think it's an example of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and as you had said with Maximov the skills that were there in junior are still there I don't think he's in the range of uh, Konovalov and Rodrigue who are for me they are they are legit goalies who have an NHL chance and maybe maybe a slight chance to be starters but they're you know they're bona fide I think Skinner is is coming from behind as of now but I still like enough about him to put it at number 15. Well, the thing that really hurts Skinner is that we're not looking at one year of poor pro development. We're really looking at two. Like we're talking about a guy who was a 900-ish save percentage goalie in the ECHL last year. Uh, I realize he was playing in difficult circumstances this year, but in 892 for Bakersfield, um, I have him 18th on my list. I, I think, you know, if he turns into an NHL backup, you're pretty happy with that at this point. He, he has to do a lot if he's going to carve out a significant NHL career. But, I mean, that's that's where we are on this list, and uh, sure. certain, certainly he's behind Rodrigue and, and Konovalov. Um, I have Apelli Rasanen right after Skinner. I have him 19th on my list. Thought he had a good year in college. Um, moving to right wing is obviously not ideal. You'd love to have him as a right-shot center. I, I saw him coming up at... Uh, 
various international tournaments, and I've always been impressed by his two-way play. Haven't seen him a lot at college. Uh, been disappointed by his offense so far over his career, but if he can score enough, and I think we saw signs of that this year, he could be a useful player. I have uh, Thomas Missouri next up on my list. Okay. Uh, much like you had mentioned about Blamel or Blamel, uh, there's a lot we don't know about him, but I like his size. I like that he has some skills. Uh, he's a long way away. He's a he's a uh, draft and follow type, and and for me, the list is is at a point where uh, my nineteen guy is Joe Gambardella, and then I have Rassinen at twenty. So so we're dealing in in players who are Rassinen. If he'd stayed at center. I think he'd be a better prospect. They moved him at Boston College to wing, and then he started lighting it up offensively. As a winger, I like him less than several others on this on this particular list. But I think Missouri, Gambardella, Rasson, and as I end my list, they for me are, are I have Lamel at 17. I like all of the players 17 up far more than 18 down. I uh, So I don't have Missouri on my list. I He's, I think, 23rd-ish. He didn't didn't crack my top twenty, um, but th- and the reason for that was just I didn't see enough offensive progression at the high school level, and it's so hard to get a feel for players who are playing um, below the high level pro leagues because you just don't know uh, what's co- driving things. The last guy I have in the top twenty, and for me, twenty and up, I like twenty one and down. I'm I'm less bullish on is Marcus Niemelainen. I think. I, I've been pretty bearish on him as a prospect, but you look at the minutes he played in Finland and you look at his age and you go, maybe there's something there. I don't think he has enough skill with the puck to crack the NHL, but he's just interesting enough for, to crack my top 20. It's it's uh, The thing about Nimalainen is the fact that the Oilers signed him is is a, maybe the most positive thing about it. I I believe truly that at some point, that 2016 third round was looked upon by the organization as a wasted three picks. There was Matthew Cairns, there was Philip Berglund and Nima Leinen. Now Berglund, he, he, he never went too far down and he has shown well the last two years. Nima Leinen this past year, uh, increase in minutes, uh, his foot speed looks good. Uh, this is a guy who, who uh, I'm very curious about because sometimes the light turns on not at 18 or 19, but at 21. And he's a guy that I had just outside my top 20, so I have no quarrel with that selection by you. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch in the American League. John. I I know, it's a a problem. But he's going to be fun to watch because he's toolsy, right? Like... The, the numbers aren't there yet, but we're we're at the fringes of the Oilers prospect list, and, and these are the kind of guys, guys who have a chance if things go right. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Take away your top 10. Yes. Fade those out to black. Okay. From 11 on, if you had to, like uh, Ken Holland has has instructed you that, that you can be scouting director if you get this right, uh, Who who do you think from 11 on has the best chance to be a five-year NHL player and you have to pick somebody. Well, I've got Lagus in 11, so that's the default pick. Um, but let's let's try and be a little more creative here. I'm going to say Kesselring. I'm going to... Uh, Scott Housen uh, said beautiful things about him, including to, to, to Daniel. Um, in terms of size and speed... Uh, size and skill... 
right shot defenseman like he's the guy who could have a sustained nhl career i think of of that group i mean lagason's the safe pick and the guy i would choose gun to my head but but kessel rings the one if you want to make it interesting i hate like hell agreeing with you but those are the the two guys Uh, uh, i tried to find a way to get lagason into my top 10 because i like him that much with kessel ring i i kept moving him up um and and the reason why is is because i think that that when we talk about outer marker or ceiling or potential, I don't even think we're, we know about Kesselring. Part of the problem with these these kids who play in the American colleges in the USHL is we, we don't know how much time they get, especially in your freshman season. He might be a guy that we, two years from now, uh, are trying to d- delete the tape that we're making today because I, I think he could really surprise and really have an impact. Uh, the Potentially, he's such a... a a big guy, and he he impacts the game uh, at both ends of the ice. But but he has real offensive ability, and he can scoot. It's it's an unusual skating style, but he can get there, and th- that's that's a real carry. I would agree with you on Kesselring. I think he's a he's a little all or nothing, but but if he gets all, it's going to be a nice one. Well, I hate to end on this note of broad agreement, but I think our our producer is going to going to kill us if we if we go on for much longer. And I I just haven't found anything to really get mad at you about. Well, in the second half of the show, we're going to do 21 through 40. I don't know if you told me about it. <laughs> no, this is a surprise to me. <laughs> uh, all right. We want to remind you, Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets is Ken Weeb and Narada Tesh's guest on the boarding pass this week at The Athletic. Check those guys out. They do brilliant work. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Oil Cam Podcast at The Athletic. The Athletic.